Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Well, it's me again. Hope that's not too disappointing. We've got 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where I'd love for you to be. Um, Let me get the next slide up there just to make sure. There it is. All right. Because our slide guy just left. Man, it's good to see your faces, literally. I know some of you are still masking, and I I understand that as well. uh, But I am grateful. I am grateful that we can see smiles again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, again, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the seat back right in front of you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. Please take it home. We have others. If that one's not appealing to you, that may look like they've got fancy little covers and everything, so don't leave today without a Bible. Uh, We are in week two of our series, Transformed, and uh, I'm I'm really excited for what we're talking about. Guys, I've I've learned a lot in the last few months about spiritual transformation by God's grace, and I'm incredibly grateful for everything that's happened, and, and, um, and I'm hoping to just kind of kind of walk with you through what I've been walking through in that way. And, and I will say this, that the series does build up on itself. And what I mean by that is one week might explain the next and, and, and another week might be contingent on a previous week. And so what, I'm, what I would encourage you to do is because of this linear thought through the whole series, I would encourage you to go onto our website, and, and, and waynesboroughfm.com, and, and you can go to our sermons page under our resources, and, and you can find all the sermons uh, so far that we've preached here, and, and you, you'll find this series up there as well. Uh, or you can subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. We do have a sermons podcast, and it's easy, on the go, whatever. You can also go to YouTube and see the past services, but I would encourage you to just kind of keep building up your understanding as we walk through this whole process uh, and this series together uh, called Transformed. Now, one of the things uh, that, that I've learned that I need to implement into my life is intentional planning of rhythms. Uh, certain habits, certain uh, things that I incorporate into the, the routine, the rhythm of life in order to engage my heart with the Lord. And, and, and one of those things, I think I've mentioned it before, it's, I, I call it a dog day. Uh, that's not D-O-G, but it's D-A-W-G, you know, like, like dog. And, and it means devoted always in worship to God. And it's this idea that I pull away for a whole week, or not a whole week, a whole day. There's sometimes where I'll do a whole week, but about every month I'll pull away for a day and I'll go somewhere and I'll just have my Bible and my journal and I'll pray and I'll read and, and meditate on God's word. And uh, I, I will say that this last, this Thursday that we just had uh, was a dog day for me. And, and I went out onto the Appalachian Trail uh, with a friend who was using the hike as the same way or for the same purpose. And, and we hiked from uh, Rockfish Gap all the way down to Wolf Shelter and uh, at, the, at Wolf Shelter, there's a, there's a nice little stream there and I set up my hammock and we were there for about an hour and a half, two hours and, and goodness, it was really cool just praying and, and, and meditating on God's word. But I will tell you that as, as we were hiking this way south, we never passed anybody going south, we passed everybody coming north, so I thought we were going the wrong way, but we weren't. Uh, but as we were passing by people, we tried to just strike up some conversation, not like in-depth conversation, but you know that, like that superfluous, like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good, all right, have a great day. But, but we at least tried to do that, and, and, and some of the questions I'd ask would be, hey, how long you been hiking? And, I, and I, it turns out that that's not a question you wanna ask, um, because some people are uncomfortable with, with you knowing. I didn't know that. There was an older gentleman who I asked, hey, uh, uh, what's your, hey how long have you been hiking? And they're like, oh, uh, for a while. 
okay? <laughs> a while could be like since this morning or it could be for weeks. But we came across this a younger mom with her, probably I'd say her 10-year-old daughter. And we're like, hey, how long have you been hiking? And they said, oh, we've been on the trail for two days. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Two days, mom and a daughter, 10-year-old. That's pretty, that's pretty fancy. We, we passed by a younger gentleman. Um, I don't know, he's not this tall. But we passed by a younger guy, and we just kind of said, hey, how long have you been hiking? And he's like, oh, yeah, two months. Come again? Yeah, I've been hiking since March. From where? Oh, Georgia. Wait, what? Where are you going? Oh, I'm going up to Maine. The whole thing. Hiking the whole Appalachian Trail. And he's been hiking since March. And it's May. Guys, it, 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 do you know where the halfway point is on the, on the Appalachian Trail? It's not Virginia. It's Pennsylvania. It's Pennsylvania. And the trail itself is 2,190 miles long. And it can take an experienced or a beginner hiker about five to seven months to hike the whole thing. If they're averaging uh, about 14 to 20 miles a day. Whew. So, of course I was shocked. Of course I was like, whoa, wait, what? And, and I remember being like, all right, well, <laughs> if you make it, <laughs> see ya. Like, I remember walking away being like, man, that, that guy, he's not a mere mortal. There's something, he's a different kind of creature. Right? He, there's, not, there's not something normal about him. He, he's abnormal. That ain't natural for him to, or anybody, to do that sort of thing. But, of course, there are, and one day it'd be cool to do it. But, but we tend to do that, though, though don't we? When, when some rare specimen shows up, and he's doing extraordinary things, and we think, clearly, he's built different. There's something different about him. He's not a normal creature. He's a different kind of creature. Whenever, whenever somebody gets just like insanely ripped and swole and, and, or they're, they're greatly accomplished and they win a Nobel Prize, right? Or whatever, right? You just think, man, they've got something we don't have. I don't have it at least. And, and they're built different in some way. We tend to try to, to do that. But really though, are they really, are they really different creatures are they, are, they, are they structurally different? No, of course not. No, there's, there's nothing anatomically different about them. They have every same body part you have unless you've had surgery recently. They, they, they aren't built different. But what did we learn last week? We're built different. We Christians, we're a different kind of creature, aren't we? We're not like other creatures. We Christians are different. So what I want you to do real quick is turn to your neighbor and just in the loving, most loving face you can say is, you're different. Go ahead. You're different. <laughs> now, if, if, if we weren't in this safe space where we already just put all that context and somebody just walks up to you and says, hey, you're different, it doesn't feel good. But here, in light of what we just talked about, doesn't it feel good? We're different creatures. We're different. We talked about last week, Romans 12, 
verse two, and it talks about how we're, we're to be transformed. Transformed, formed being the morphology or the structure of a creature and trans being across or above or over. So today, we're talking about just how different we are. And we're specifically honing in on when it all started. So how deep, how deep the change has gone and when it all began. So that's where we're at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and let me put some, some, some meat on the bones here for the context. So, so we're, we're, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth for the second debatable third time. You want to talk about that later. But, but the Apostle Paul, he's reminding the church in, in Corinth uh, of the confidence that we as new creatures, as different people, have in the face of death. Face, death may be, stare, we may be staring down the barrel of death, but we can have a confidence as Christians. And, and he's also encouraging us in love to go about persuading other people to live for the one who died for them and was raised. And that's where we get to verse 16. Verse 16, I'm just gonna read, but verse 17 is our main verse and it says this. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Here's the boom verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. Amen. So we've got four main parts to this verse if you want to break it up into the four sections. We've got in Christ, new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So four parts that we're going to walk through briskly. Starting off with the condition that's required for us to experience this. Because one of the things that we, we tend to do is kind of we are a different creature, therefore we are a group of our own. And, 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 and what can happen is sometimes people take this verse and apply it to everybody. No, no, no. It's only those who are found where? What does it say? For if anyone is... You read my mind. In Christ. If anybody be in Christ. Only those who are there experience the rest of this verse. Okay? But what does this mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? And, and how do we get placed there? Because I want to be there. Because if, if look at all these incredible things that happen. How do we get there? Well, I'm just going to do this real briefly. The moment that you became persuaded of the truth by faith, that Jesus has accomplished everything necessary to save you from your sin and bring you back to God. It's that moment where you realize, wait, I wasn't created for this world. I was created for another world. I was created to be in the presence of God. My sin keeps me from his presence. I can't fix myself and I can't save myself from my sin. But Jesus has come down in the form of flesh, in the form of humanity, went to the cross, died in my place so that I could be saved from my sin and brought back to God. In that very moment where that became the reality of your worldview, when that became the conviction of your heart, that moment you were placed into Christ Jesus. You were, in, in fact, scripture says you were baptized into Christ. That's not water. You were immersed into Jesus. So there's a verse that I think really 
helpfully explains this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, and says this, through faith, that's a key verse, through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Guys, so, so you can see the concept of being placed into Christ by faith. But you can also see here that, that, that it's anyone, when Paul says, if anyone be in Christ... Notice, do you see what it says? That there, there's no more ethnic dividing lines to keep people out. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your record. Anybody can come and be placed into Christ Jesus by faith. So if anyone be in Christ by faith, you can be in Christ. And to be in Christ basically means that Jesus is your life. That his righteousness is your righteousness that his resurrection is our resurrection. This being in Christ by faith alone, then according to this passage in verse 17, brings about this radical transformation that happens in a person's life. That's what he, see, he says when he says he is a new creation. He or she, if they be in Christ, are a new creation, a new, a different kind of creature. This implies that from the, from the moment you were by faith immersed into Christ, you were remade into a different otherworldly creature. You were transformed. So you've heard this before though, right? It might've been worded differently. You might've used a different term for it, but you've heard it before. Remember Jesus's conversation with the religiously uh, devout Jew named Nicodemus in John chapter three recorded there? And Jesus is, is, is witnessing to this man and, and, and he, says, he says that, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, right? You know that language, born again? Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that concept of being born again to us kind of makes sense, but Jesus was introducing a whole new concept and Nicodemus, his response was, wait, hold on, give me a second. So you're saying a grown man is supposed to crawl up into his mother's womb and be born again? What does that even mean? How does that happen? That's not even possible, boy. Oh, that's, that's something for another day. Now, of course, Jesus isn't just talking about a, a physical change. He's talking about a spiritual change transformation, a spiritual being born again. And this being born again, it's not the same you coming out. Anytime there's a birth, it's a new creature, right? It's the re- so when we're born again, we're, 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 we're the, under the remaking of God. We're remade into another kind of creature. Now there's a, a theological term. The reason why uh, I, I like to introduce theological terms for you is to kind of get you peaked in this idea of, 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 of deep theology. And there's a term that's often used in the theological world and it's called regeneration. Can you say that one with me? One, two, three. Regeneration. It, it, it means to generate or to create again. And you can see it in, in like Titus chapter three, verse five. It says, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit has regenerated us. He remade and restructured us into a new creation, into a different kind of creature. So we've got, if anyone is in Christ, what happens? He is a new creation. That's the first two parts. We've now already on number three. The old has gone. The old has passed away. So last week, I kind of opened the the sermon with a moment of transparency with you all. And I shared a little bit about some of the music that I listened to back in my high school days. And I can tell you that I heard about it from you all all week. (laughs) So that's the last time I'm transparent with you guys. I'm just kidding. Yes, I listened to things like Justin Bieber and Jonas Brothers and Jordan Sparks. But the old has gone and the new has come. The reason why I brought that up though was to, to point out the reality, is this really what spirit, is that, is that the depth to which spiritual transformation goes? No, it runs way deeper. That might just be a symptom of what's happening in the inner reality, right? So when we say the old is gone, we're not talking about the old music preferences and the old movie preferences and all those things. No, there's something much deeper happening here. Now, Paul is doing something in this verse that I just realized this past week on my dog day, how incredible it is that he's clarifying something very deep for us, the idea of transformation and what happens, right? He's doing something to clarify what it means to be regenerated or to be born again. So, So let me take you on a little drive real quick. So if you were to head down that way, yep, that way. And, and go, get on to 340, start heading towards, um, towards the shopping complex. Delphine. Y'all are messing with me though. You can get, you, I know, I know 340's that way, but ain't it also over there? Like you, yes! So you head, like you're heading towards Walmart. I'm not that new to the area, people. <laughs> okay, so, so you're driving and you, you pass by Ridgeview Park and, and where Pastor Chris Police used to live and, and you're, go, you're going and, and you, um, you're, you're heading before, before all the shopping complex and there on your right is this really beautiful landscaped building. You know what I'm talking about? Walnut Grove. What was it? The Walnut, the Walnut Grove. Yeah. That's the name of it. There's, it's a historic site, right? It's incredibly beautiful. You see people working there constantly. I don't know what they're doing, to be honest. I'm sure some of you do. They're, what are, they're probably in the process of what? Restoration, right? So they're, they're going into that old building and they're, they're, they're freshening things up a bit. They're, they're probably sweeping away the dust. They're, they're shooing out the critters that have made it their home. They're replacing some of the electrical, probably, if there even is any. And they're, they're rebuilding some of the framing because some of it's probably foundationally broken. And, and all of these things are happening in this process that's called restoration. 
They're taking the old things and they're just improving them in that house. But is this passage telling us that that's what's happened to us? No. No, you see, a lot of people view Christianity as a matter of self-restoration. In other words, Christianity is something to try out as a way to become better, right? To, to, to improve things about your life. And, and so some of the ways this may look like in, in the world today is, is there are some people, and I, I, as a pastor, I've, I've, I've witnessed this firsthand. There are some people when they want to get rid of their alcohol or their drug addiction, they try out the Jesus juice, they give it a shot and see if it improves their circumstances or, or makes them better and helps them get rid of their bad habits. Or I've also seen people who, who, who just make a total ruin of their life by a series of really poor decisions. And they come and they try out Jesus for a chance and, and they, 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 they try to get him to make things better and restore things back to the, the way they were. In, in this sense, like the whole world thinks, and it, many people in the world think Christianity is offering just like whole life restoration. Like we're gonna take everything that's bad about you and make it better. Now, obviously you know I'm, I'm, that's not true to a point, but, but why wouldn't the world think that? Most most. Most of the world thinks that Christianity is a self-improvement and a circumstance betterment strategy. That it's a program to make your life better. So, so if you don't believe me, go, go, go to like Walmart or go to Barnes & Noble or, or the Books A Million and, and look at the Christian sections there. Or, or go to Amazon and look at the top-selling Christian books. And, and, and what you'll find are books called Become a Better You. Your Best Life Now. Or here's one, you can, you will, undeniable qualities of a winner, Christian. Guys, popular Christianity is branded as a self-help program. It's like improving the old things. It's like restoration. But brothers and sisters, God in his word says that the old self is just utterly corrupt with deceitful desires that dominate every passion and every thought and every act leading to things like sexual morality, impurity, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying, and much, much more. In other words, the foundation of our being is corrupted. You don't build a house on a broken foundation. You have to tear it out and rebuild. In other words, the old self cannot be improved. It can't be updated. It cannot be restored. It has to pass away. It has to be torn down and it has to be replaced with a new creation. And, I'm, and I'll be honest, it's at this point where the world looks at that and when they realize that that's what Christianity really is, they're like, well, no, 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 oh, no thanks, nope. I want the bad things better, but I still want the good things that I think are good to be around. I don't want to be anything new. I just want to be better. So we, we have to get this 
image of restoration, that I am being restored out of our heads. Yes, we are restored back to a right relationship with God, but not, I am not in a process of restoration as if I'm being remade back to the Adam that was once. No, but we are being made new into a new creature that is Christ Jesus. And so one vital truth that I think we need to understand and grasp today that's gonna have ramifications for the rest of this series about spiritual transformation, about what we as Christians get to experience is this. Transformation is reconstruction, not restoration. Do you understand? Do you understand the difference? Do you see the differences that I'm talking about? Right? So instead of the old things just becoming better, like the old things uh, being improved, no, they are completely torn down and a total new reconstruction is put in its place. So guys, it's the difference between this old house, remember that TV show? And extreme makeover home edition. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you grew up, or as an adult, watched that? I grew up watching it because I was a kid when it was on. Nobody? Okay. Extreme makeover home edition. I saw several of you watch it. That's good. This is, this is going to hit. This is going to land really well. So you remember, <laughs> you remember in that series when, when, when Ty Pennington, you know that guy with all the different fashion fads and everything that he'd go in riding on a horse with a cowboy hat on into a home and, and whatever, and, and he, would, he would go in and, and they would tear down a whole house of somebody who's well-deserving of it, and, and they'd tear everything out and they'd rebuild everything from the ground up in a week. It's pretty incredible. That's more like what it means to be regenerated. It's not the old things getting improved. They don't come in and do some, some improvements and restorations on an old house. No, they take the old and everything new comes in. We are regenerated. We are reconstructed, constructed, spiritually remade. So, so you are a new creature if you are in Christ. The old has gone. You have been reconstructed. Again, that's what Galatians 2.20. Again, I'm just gonna say it again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That's the old self. But Christ who lives in me, that's the new. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old has gone. See, the new has come. Can we just shout this together? One, two, three. The new has come. Guys, everything new for the believer has come. Everything. Now, you know how last week we had like a little bit of a Greek lesson? We're gonna have a little bit of a one again. The words has come are in a tense that's called the perfect tense in the Greek. And that simply means that it was a past action completed. So there's nothing left to add on to it. The new that has come has come in full. You're not waiting for something new to be done to you. It's already happened in full, perfectly. You have been made new and that work is completed. Now, some of you might not feel like it, to be honest. There's a, a theologian um, who once said that wisdom consists of two main parts, knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. What do we know about our new selves? What about us? What new things have come? 
Well, I'm going to go through a bit of a list. So fasten your seatbelts. First, new identity. We've got a new identity. Can you say that? One, two, three. New identity. Guys, we live in a culture that's always talking about how we identify. We identify by specific markers or by specific groups, whether it's our favorite sports team, because, you know, we're the, 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 the Washington football team, right? Or, or, or we're identified by our ethnic identity, whatever it might be. But in Christ, we receive this whole new identity card right? A whole new ID card. So that how we evaluate ourselves doesn't come from how successful we are or how wealthy we are or how attractive we are or how popular we are. No, our identities come from Christ alone. He defines everything that's valuable about us and he's given us everything. We have a new heart. Can you say new heart? One, two, three, new heart. So Jesus said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, Adultery, sexual moralities, stealing, lying, slander, so on and so forth. But God promised back in the Old Testament and brought it to fruition in the new. In Ezekiel 36, he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, Christian, you've had heart surgery. You've had heart surgery. We have a heart that isn't trapped in death and in deafness to God, but is alive and it can be sensitive to his voice and his leading. And to be clear, one quick thing, when doctors do heart surgery, do they leave the old one in? What? Never. No, when they do heart surgery, when I do a heart transplant, when they do it, geez, when they do a transplant, (laughs) what happens with the old one? It's gone. And the new one's there. So you don't have two hearts living in you right now, spiritually. You have one heart that's been made new. You've had a heart transplant and God didn't leave the old one there, the new one's in you. So we have, we have a new identity, we have a new heart, we also have new life. Can you say that, one, two, three? New life. Guys, scripture says that we were once dead in our sin, totally buried beneath our shame, but God, because he is so filthy, rich, in grace and mercy and love, he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up to walk in that new life with Christ that is forevermore marked by knowing and experience Christ's resurrection power. So we have new life. We also have a new master. Can you say new master? One, two, three. New master. So we were once slaves to the old sinful self. We were forced to do its bidding to our own destruction, but God set us free from that former master. And scripture says we are now enslaved to God in Romans 6. And and Christ is now our Lord, which Lord means master. And boy, does our new master love us. We also have a new family. Can you say that together? One, two, three. New family. So when God raised us to new life, he adopted us as his own and made us his children. And so now John chapter one says, you and I have the right to call him our father. And it says that we are also co-heirs with Jesus and we have brothers and sisters all over the world who are in Christ. So we have a new master, we have a new family, we have a new record, one, two, three, new record. Guys, our spiritual ledger was just totally covered in scarlet ink, detailing sin after sin after sin. And boy, was that list Long, but God in Colossians says 
that God canceled that record of debt with all its legal demands that stood against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross, which means your sins have been washed white as snow by the blood of Jesus. Your record is now spotless. We have a new hope. You say that one, two, three, new hope. So before Christ, as you and I had no real way to experience any true lasting hope, but First Peter says that we have been born again into a living hope, just as Jesus lives. And guys, I could keep going, the list keeps going on and on and on and on, but can't you see how the new has come? If anyone is in Christ by faith alone, he or she is a new creation, a.k.a. transformed regenerated into a new creature. The old has passed away, which looks less like a process of restoration. And it's more about reconstruction because the new has come. Can't you see it? In other words, what I'm trying to get at today is that you have already been completely transformed. And in one sense, that work is done. You have already been transformed and it happened when you first believed. Amen? So yes, we're talking about a series that that studies the ongoing process of the formation of the Christian life and talking about growth and maturity, we're gonna be talking about in the weeks to come, but there's this one sense where we can't even go into that unless we sit here and we rest in this beautiful promise and truth that you and I have already been transformed. So let's, let's spend some time on this and let's land this idea, this concept into our lives now. And, and, and I think... I think there might be a way that I can, I can make this a bit more helpful for us and how to understand this. And it's, it's a bit of a story time, so, so travel with me for a second. Um, my wife and I, when we were engaged in the summer of 2011, we went on a missions trip to the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And it was an incredible trip. We'll, we'll tell you about it sometime. But, but each, each morning before the scheduled events of the day, um, I, I would get up, I'd, I'd take my, my little portable bagged hammock that could hold me somehow, and, and, and I'd go into one of the huts that was on the hill, and, and it had this little porch, and it had some beams, and so I could put my hammock up onto the beams, and, and I would just sit there, and I would just rest, and pray, and read, and meditate, and it, I'll tell you, it was some of the most intimate time that I've ever had with my father in heaven. And, and I'll tell you what, the spot that I overlooked that, I mean, because I was on the top of a mountain, you could just see miles and miles of forest and jungle and village and smokestack of somebody burning something there and the village here and the mountain range behind. It was just incredible. And, and I'll tell you that one of the mornings that I was there, uh, I was in God's word, and I was grasping such a, a, a massive, grand view of God's holiness that I couldn't help but notice an area of depravity in my life. And, 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 and spe- there was a specific area of habitual temptation and sin. 
that I, I, I just, I had been going through and experiencing for years. And, and guys, I was tired because this temptation and the sin was coming up even in the middle of a jungle in Papua New Guinea with no technology, no nothing. And, 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 and I thought that maybe that would be my rescue, but it wasn't because my sin just went with me because it's, it's in there. And I, that morning, I, I was just, I got really tired. I was tired of myself. I was tired of just the constant cycle over and over again. I'd, I'd feel the temptation, I'd, I'd indulge in it, and then I, afterwards I'd feel just overwhelming guilt and frustration with myself. I'd, I'd just, like a little sheep, sheepish boy going before my father in heaven, asking for forgiveness, telling him that I was gonna repent, and then, and then, and then doing all right for a time, and then just finding myself back in the same muck again. It got to a point where I hated myself. I hated myself because I kept failing over and over again, falling short over and over and over again. And I just started crying. I started crying and, and I remember in those tears, I, I, I just kind of prayerfully went before the Lord and I said, I said God, would you please just change me? Change my heart. Change my mind. I'm just tired of this and I, and I don't want to sin against you anymore. And I waited, kind of just hoping I'd hear something. And, and I prayed it again. God, I, I hate myself and I, I'm tired of this and I want you to change me. Change me into something that I could actually like. I kept praying that over and over again. And then after, after a few minutes, and in the middle of what had now turned to just sobbing, I, I heard God's voice for the first time ever in my life. And, I, and I'm not talking like I was in a cave and I heard some divine revelation that I need to canonize in Scripture. No, I'm, I'm talking about just simply him confirming his word to me as if he was a friend. And I heard him as clearly as I heard you now, not audibly, but in here. And, and it wasn't anything new. And I heard him simply say to me, Scott, I have changed you. I have made you new. Which wasn't anything necessarily new to me. I kind of, I, I knew that verse pretty well, but, but I immediately turned to 2 Corinthians 5.17 and, and I read these words over and over and over and over again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I kept reading it. And I remember having uh, experienced one of the most profound things in my life at that moment. For multiple reasons, and yet, and yet for the longest time, I wasn't sure exactly why that passage, why when I was struggling with the guilt and shame of my sin and, and constantly hating myself because of this cycle, why, why wouldn't he remind me of like the promise, hey, he who began a work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Christ. It's gonna happen one day. Why, why wouldn't he remind me of that? 
Why was it this passage? Well, I found out on Thursday two reasons. The first is this. Transformation is not becoming something more by spiritual performance. Transformation is not becoming something more than what you are by your spiritual performance. So for the longest time, I had this perspective that my spiritual performance determined my being formed into the character of Christ. So like if I, if I had sinned, then, then, then I, it would decrease in my life and I'd be cut off from it for a while. But if I did the spiritual disciplines and, and I was in them routinely and, and I did some good things and sacrificed here and did some good works there, then, then I'd be growing in Christ-likeness. But Christ-likeness, if I can be honest, as I look back, Christ-likeness seemed like it was this little treat that God was holding out in his hand waiting for me to perform enough spiritual tricks to earn it. Oh, good boy. And then throw the Christ-likeness treat to me. That's why I was so broken. Because I thought God was withholding something from me. And I never felt like I could get to it. And that's why I was filled with so, so much self-hatred. Brothers and sisters, we are already like Jesus, the new has already come. It's in the nature of our morphology, our structure. You you just might not see it in full yet. So the full character of Christ isn't something that's outside of us somewhere waiting to be earned by our good works. If Christ is in you, then the full character of Christ is in you as well. He doesn't lack anything when he comes to dwell with you and in you. So we are already filled with Christ, like Christ, made as new creatures after his image, which means trying to be what we already are just makes no logical sense. So let me go to part two. If transformation isn't that, transformation is discovering who we are with Christ in us. We're already that new creature that Christ dwells in and transformation is just simply discovering that reality. So we're we're not becoming something more. We're just finding out what's already true and it's getting its fullest expression in our lives. Now, what I don't mean is this concept out there right now of self-discovery. Go on this 30-day hike and you're going to find yourself. No, what I'm talking about is this idea that, 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 that we're discovering Christ in us. So remember how we talked about that extreme makeover home edition? You know how at the end of the show, they'd pull the bus away and the family would say, Ah, the new house, right, it's right there. And then they'd walk into the home and, and then what they do? They would go around to each room and show them everything that was new. Hey, this is what's new in this area. And then, oh, let's go to this room. Oh, this is what's new in this kitchen. Here's what's new in this bedroom. And they do that throughout the whole house. And then the crews would leave, the crowds would leave, the buses would go, and the family would be left. And, and they got to enjoy that new house. And they got to learn how to live in that new house. You see, it's almost the same thing here. 
We have been transformed already. We already have everything that we need for godliness according to 2 Peter 1. And God's spirit for the rest of our lives here on this earth is just walking us into each and every room that he's already made in his reconstruction of our souls and he's showing us. He's saying, hey, come see the new here. Come into this, come see the new here. Try it out. Don't laugh at this, but we're already spiritual butterflies. We're no longer caterpillars. And we're breaking out of our cocoon and we're learning how to fly as God has made us new. So brothers and sisters, that's why this verse is so amazing. It invites us in to really rest in who God has already made us to be. So will you come and rest, weary Christian? You who are tired of the cycle, tired of yourself, hating you, and you're waiting for godliness to come, thinking that you have to perform to get it. No, just come out of that. Come out of that mindset. We're under grace now. Just come and rest in everything that God has already made you and find out how to get out of the way so that he can shine through. As Christ is in you, you have been made new. Now I need to say this. I'm not trying to get rid of your effort. There's some holy sweat in this process. What I am trying to do is to get rid of the mentality that we have to earn it. We do not earn our godliness. It's already ours in Christ. And God is eager to walk with us into growing in Christ-likeness. And he's already given us everything that we need to experience it. You are a new creature already. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute? And at some point, you probably identified with some things here. If you, if you have a, a grasp on the reality of your, of your sin and, and some of your habits in life, you know where you are and what you need and what you need to be believing. But there are also some of you who have not yet experienced new life in Christ. You're, you're finding out that, that what you identified more with more is that you've been trying to do this whole restoration thing just by making the bad things better. But in reality, Christ is inviting you to come in and be remade. And if that's you this morning, if you're, if you're not yet been remade by Christ in his grace, don't leave today without that. Would you meet with me here at the front afterwards? I'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. But for you, Christian, will you truly rest in this idea that godliness doesn't come about by your performance? It comes about as you get out of the way and you believe what's true, which we'll learn in the weeks to come. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we truly believe that your grace is sufficient 
And, and, and for the longest time, I know that I had a tough time believing that I already had everything that I needed for life and godliness, but that your word confirms that. Your word says that. And I can't wait for our church family to explore that more in depth. But until then, would you cause each and every one of us to, to come out of the cycle of self-hatred and, 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 and weary repentance and, and, and shame and doubt and fear? And, and, and I pray, Lord, that you would, you would bring us into the realm of understanding grace, of believing grace, of really knowing what is true that we have already been made new. We have already been transformed. We are different creatures. Convince us of that now and always. And may we experience the fruit that comes from that belief. We love you, Father. Thank you, Son, Spirit. Do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys would stand, I'd love to pray benediction over you from 1 Thessalonians 5. 23 through 24. It says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. I appreciate you. And I'll see you next week, Lord willing. God bless. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.